0: Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Are you thinking about getting into Dungeons & Dragons? Maybe you're looking to expand your horizons as a DM or a player. If that's the case, then it's time for you to check out The Dungeon Cast, the best D&D podcast out there that helps you passively learn all about the game just by listening. Join co-hosts Will and Brian as they break down the lore of a rich multiverse 50 years in the making in a lighthearted and beginner-friendly way. They cover everything from character creation options to tips for dungeon masters. There's something for everyone, no matter how long you've been playing TTRPGs. Find the Dungeon Cast anywhere you get podcasts or on YouTube.
1: I feel like you all have to have more fun guests. I'm gonna try to come up with a squirting queeping joke. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to fit in a little bit better, but maybe not in the concept of uh, the Allies queef,
2: <laughs> Accomplices squirt,
1: okay? <laughs> Is that the new gonna be the name of this
0: episode? <laughs> I'm digging out. You're digging out. Let's dike out together. See. What-
2: Welcome to Diking Out, the Comedy Concert
3: of Podcasts. I'm Carolyn Bergier. Is that even a good thing? I'm Melody Kamali, and today we're diking out with activist Amber Hikes about accomplishment.
2: You know, it is a good thing because if we're the Comedy Concert of Podcasts, that means everyone's talking about us. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Uh, Uh, but we want more people to talk about us so go to apple Podcasts and rate and review us five stars please please please
3: talk about us in a positive light
2: yes we need it we love positivity that's how you can be an ally at least boom And if you're feeling extra generous, you can join our Patreon, patreon.com slash shaking out. We have different tiers and exciting news is that now our $10 a month level, it used to be they could join um, our exclusive Facebook group, which we still have and we'll still post in. But we've also started a Discord server. And if you know, you know, but we'll get into it.
3: didn't know. But yeah, we we didn't know. (laughs) It's
2: not so scary after all. It's great. So check. Yeah, I don't know why we're so scared of technology. (laughs) Because one day it's going to replace us. That's why one Mm -hmm. day this is going to be
3: a um, algorithm generated podcast. What else do we have coming up, Mel? We got a comedy show coming up on January 31st, the last day of January. We're doing it. We're doing comedy at Stonewall. We've got a lineup even. And I'm excited about it. We have a past guest on the lineup, Becca Blackwell. So lucky to have them with the year they've been having. Yes. Janet Hyde, recent guest on the podcast.
2: And also past guest, Glow Butler. That was from right before you joined Melody. But you know Glow. We all know Glow. We've done. I love Glow. Glow Show. And finally, fellow Capricorn. Yes, we have the same birthday, Glow and I. Yes, yes, and Glow and I are the same age, so
3: <laughs> something for everyone.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, Deanne Smith, who is a sort of Canadian comic, they I always assumed that they were like fully Canadian because they're best friends with uh, Jess Solomon. But I think they're actually originally from Rochester, if I'm not mistaken, and then moved to Canada and just lived in Canada for a while. And now they're in New York. We'll have them on the pod at some point, I'm sure. But for now, very excited to have them on our Stonewall show. They um, are on Netflix and
3: stuff. Great things there. And then last but not least, we've got Sonia Denis. Sonia has not been on the podcast, but is just the best. Like one of my favorite comedians. We started out together in Chicago. So tickets are
2: finally on sale. Snag those while you can. You know, this show always sells out. So and there's always fun stuff that happens. I threw a Hail Mary out there and we'll see if it happens. Not going to go into any more detail than that, but we try to make it fun. We try to make great things happen at these shows. We're trying to
3: pull a stunt for this one.
2: Yeah, yeah. We love a stunt. Mm -hmm. One last thing before we get to our gay, gay, gay weeks is that we're in the market for an intern. We had one last semester, and if somebody still needs an intern this semester... We are interested. So send us an email, out at gmail.com, uh, subject line internship. We had some people message, but then didn't follow up. So this would be specifically to help out with uh, social media, especially if you have uh, graphic design skills, that'd be great. Reach out to us and maybe we can set something up. Yeah.
3: For college credit. Yes. Okay, Carolyn, give it yes. to me. What's the gayest thing you did this week?
2: I know what you want. I know what you yeah. want. So the gayest thing I definitely had to be setting up the discord for our Patreon channel. For those of you who don't know discord, it's kind of like Slack, but for fun stuff. And, uh, you can create all these different topic channels to talk about. So we have like yellow jackets, one that's, Hey, it's Che Diaz. We have, <laughs> um, gamers, but G a Y, you know, uh, sporty dykes, uh, music, just general gay media, past guests, um, fur babies, just anything you can think of. And these channels are so active and I love it and everyone's really into it and it's been so much fun. So just getting sucked into our Patreon Discord has felt so gay and I am am tempted to waste away my hours on it. It's so fun to interact it's hard uh, to keep up. That way. I know. It's hard to keep. I'm constantly checking for for notifications. Uh, I love it. So this really, I mean, yes, it is a sales pitch for our Patreon, but I, I really <laughs> love Discord. And then I like hearing about what other servers people are a part of. And it just seems really cool. I know we're late to the game, but, you know, better late than never. Also, another gay thing. I baked some scones and when i bake scones i like to sing i'm changing my major from fun home but instead of joan i sing scones and i do it each time i make scones but i think cecilia either forgets or just thinks it's as funny every (laughs) time i do it cracks her up so yeah
3: changing my major
2: to baking scones with a minor in eating scones
3: that's it love a wholesome gayest thing yeah yeah Mm -hmm. What about you? What's your gayest thing? My gayest thing, I guess, was pretty wholesome. I accompanied my straight friend going wedding dress shopping. Why is it my gayest thing? Because my only input I had was I like that one. Anytime it would be like a super plunging (laughs) neckline, Um, I... First of all, looked like the biggest dyke that had ever graced this uh, designer's showroom. I showed up in combat boots (laughs) and like my cuff jeans and my big baggy T-shirt and just felt like... A bowling ball in there. Like I well, like was just immediately going to get something dirty, break something, step on, rip chiffon. I don't know. I felt so clumsy because I was the friend who went with her. Like I had to take right. pictures from every angle and video these 360 views and just kept messing it up. Like there was one point point she's standing in front of a mirror. She's like, okay. And can you get it from the front? And I'm like, there's like probably a foot between her and the mirror and I'm just putting the phone in front of her in front of the mirror. She's like, Mel, just take a picture of the mirror, like stand next to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I'm so I'm a fish out of water in this world. And this sounds very Shiva from Tampa Bay's. Yes, it, I was. <laughs> That's the energy he brought to this big Shiva energy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it. Like I looked swaggy i was goofy i was shiva uh <laughs> it was just so funny it's just i never think about wedding dresses and i never have and it's just like my friend just got engaged uh christmas and the wedding is going to be in june of 2023 she's already locked down the dress like this was i was yes. going with her to confirm on the decision she'd made Two years before she was proposed to <laughs> it's like she kept asking what I thought about certain a line, this blah, blah, flare that I had no idea what she was talking about. It's and so I've funny. never felt like more of a dyke.
2: Right. Like I've been married twice and that still surprises me how quickly people buy a dress after getting engaged. Sometimes <laughs> I'm like, oh, that seems one of like the later things. I mean, I know that you have to get it altered yeah, usually. Like, but her body could change in many ways let's right. <laughs> over it's a year and a half out <laughs> right but you know some people are excited by dresses and I think that was very wholesome uh of you to encourage more cleavage so.
3: oh yeah so wholesome you know what is the most wholesome part actually what? I was when I wasn't being as useful as I possibly could as my skill set allowed I provided entertainment I was uh flouncing around and doing impressions of Frank from Father of the Bride do you remember Frank yes yes <laughs> oh more Perfect. wholesome a Nancy Myers movie right I yeah. we kept quoting it and then we're like you know what let's go home and watch it so after we wrapped up there we went and we watched Father of the Bride and I forgot how queer the girl I'm blanking on her name Annie I think it is the main the girl getting married Steve Martin's daughter she plays basketball um like that's like how they bond right and you just see her in her like boofy Nikes like cutting up in her like nighttime robe like she was just so femme but there's like a couple scenes in that movie where she's like really playing basketball well and I forgot being like oh who is this like back in the day so that was a fun little extra bonus gaze thing
2: Love it. Love it. It's a turducken of gayest things. Yes. Yes. Well, you know what's not wholesome? Uh, My contributions to this interview today. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Get ready. Today, we are dyking out with activist Amber Hikes about ship. Amber is the Chief Equity and Inclusion Officer at the ACLU. And for all of our international listeners, that's the American Civil Liberties Union. Prior to joining the ACLU, Amber served as the Executive Director of the Philadelphia Mayor's Office of LGBTQ Affairs, where she developed policy and served as the Principal Advisor to the Mayor on issues that affect our community. She was also recognized as Community Organizer of the Year in 2018 by Out Magazine oh my god just sweating with anticipation let's go Amber, we are so excited to have you here today, dyking out with us. We've been wanting this for a while. You've been requested by listeners, you know, some who demanded really want to hear what you have to say. Some who have a big old crush on you, no! to be honest, <laughs> honestly, uh, we've gotten a few.
1: Oh my gosh. I really don't want to disappoint folks. This is uh, okay. I'm gonna, <laughs> ooh, no pressure. No pressure. No pressure. All right. <laughs>
2: Oh man, where are you based? Are you out of DC?
1: No I'm in I'm okay. between Philadelphia and New York uh, so okay philly, so philly is is my home although that's complicated because I was a military kid and grew up all over but Philadelphia is my home and uh, New York is where I work. so I'm back and forth between the two.
3: Gotcha. got it got it and before we get into anything we would like to ask you what is the gayest thing you did this week either in <laughs> philly or new york or wherever ah, you may have been
1: yeah Whew, starting with the hard-hitting questions okay uh <laughs> oh my god i'm just so gay and tired um <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh, i you know what i've done a lot of gay things but i am certain that whatever i did that was very gay this week had something to do with my 13 year old cat so i I have I have oh. a cat and if I can tell you how how freaking gay I am I'm currently in my office and directly across from me is an oil painting of my cat like and it's yes. a whole <laughs> look at
3: a little cat art of my own cat right behind me there.
1: I I would. Okay, we were (laughs) in the middle of something. I will send you a picture later, but mine looks very similar. And there is a whole mess of a story about how this happened. But it started with a silent auction and an elderly woman who had like retired and this was her thing was cat portraits, not pet portraits cat portraits yes and betty had to come to my house and sit with my cat and did a whole thing and then this beautiful piece of art came out of it um but it is a ridiculous (laughs) and serious it's a serious oil painting it's the most ridiculous thing that that lives in my house (laughs) 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 but that is 10 years old that is not the gayest thing but my cat has been quite sick he's got uh, chronic kidney disease and so it's very, it's very, very sad. But what it what it means is that I have to feed him several medicines all the time. And that that leads to me chasing him around the house, um, pretending to kind of like coddle and be affectionate with him and then having to like jam pills down his throat. It's the <laughs> most ridiculous thing. But the the gayest thing uh, by far is because I'm torturing him with all of these medicines constantly. Um, I've tried to overcorrect in, in the opposite direction. And so he, um, he is constantly on my keyboard. He is constantly on my chest. Yeah. I will sleep in the most ridiculous positions mm-hmm. and not even get out of bed to go to the bathroom so that I don't disturb him. So the, <laughs> so these are the gay things that I have done. Is just twist my life around this 13-year-old, uh, very cranky, very cranky cat. And uh, I don't really have any regrets if i'm honest with
3: you no that is so relatable i sleep in contorted positions i will have a kidney problem of my own because Ah! i hold my pee and don't get up if my cat is comfortable sleeping on my chest
1: (laughs) thank you so i'm amongst family this is this is good yeah yeah.
3: isn't it like so your cat's 13 my cat is uh like 11 and a half maybe Mm. actually 12 yeah um so doesn't it bother you that they're seniors once they reach eleven? Like oh, I don't 000%. like they are babies. They are always going to be babies. It makes me so sad he's that our cats are
1: seniors. Yeah, <laughs> he's older than me, That's exactly right. <laughs> and he like reminds me of it all the time. The looks, it's ever yes, it is. It's disturbing. It's disturbing. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, he's he's grown. I can assure you, he is very. Yeah. what about Uh, y'all do i get to know what the gayest thing is that you've done (laughs) or or even the gayest thing that someone has shared in this podcast before i'll take oh (laughs) yeah
3: what's the gayest thing someone's ever shared i wonder i'll say the gayest thing for me is watching uh you in ahead of the curve (laughs) (laughs) great documentary everybody check it out on curve magazine so good so gay
1: so gay, So good. That was so many years ago. Can I tell you something shameful? I don't think I've seen it yet. Really? <laughs> you look great in it. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I, maybe I have. Maybe I have. But it was so many movies.
3: It's a good one. You yeah. blocked it
1: out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that was a different lifetime. <laughs>
2: I think the gayest thing I did this week was um, I went to the the woods for the Mr. Party on, on Wednesday night that they have that they haven't been having it for the past month or so because of the search. So they finally um, brought it back again. But recently, my wife and I met um, this local queer icon that we didn't know about. Her name's Ruthie. Uh, She lives in Brooklyn. She goes to Ginger's all the time. But she also goes to the woods every Wednesday. She's 74 years old and does not look it. And she is just such a a great person to to run into. So we've now run into her three weeks in a row. And every time we see her, we take a selfie. And now we have this collection of selfies with Ruthie. And I feel like she's becoming like part of, you know, we're checking in with her. We're texting her. We're just like adopting Ruthie. (laughs) I love this. You're friends
1: with Ruthie. This is very cool. Very, very cool. Yeah.
2: Yeah. We have big plans for us and Ruthie. It
1: seems like Ruthie's going along with it. So, so this is good. This is really good.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think she's very like equally thrilled to run into (laughs) us so often. So I just, I cannot get over. I really thought that my wife must have misheard her And like, there's no way Ruthie's 74 because like this past Wednesday was the first time that we've like danced with Ruthie. So Ruthie was like getting groovy on the dance floor. And I'm like, (laughs) no way in hell, no way in hell. She's 74.
1: Damn. See, goals, goals, honey. Goals, goals, goals. That's amazing. I need to, I'm going to look Ruthie up and see see what y'all are talking about. Shout out to Ruthie. For real. Yes.
2: So. Amber, you do very important work. Uh, yeah, sure. Much like us. You do very <laughs> <different over the laughs> much. Exactly, exactly.
1: What did you say? A
2: little different. We're not intimidated. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're here talking about squirting and queefing. You <laughs> are the um, chief equity and inclusion officer at the ACLU. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Yeah. But not so much. You know
1: what? I'm not giving that joke. Yep. We'll leave it. We'll leave it. I like to keep my job. I like to keep my job.
2: <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, wait, is that what you guys talk about over there too? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Fortunately, is not. <laughs> oh, I wish it was not. Uh,
3: so, what does go on there? What does <laughs> your role entail?
1: So, okay, so a little bit about, I'll say a little bit about myself. So, you know, I, I'm an advocate and organizer, uh, a person that believes uh, deeply and is steered by community. Uh, but if we're talking about brass tacks, yes, uh, Chief Equity and Inclusion Officer of the ACLU, first one. And that's important to say because we are very, I'm very much building the plane while I'm flying it with, with this one work and it's a different thing to come in and kind of carry somebody else's vision out but it's you know it's a it's a kind of unique circumstance to have to kind of create this whole infrastructure
2: that's crazy it's wild it's
1: really really wild i
2: would not think for the ACLU like i've been part yeah. of startups sure. where it's like you know yes building the plane while you're you're flying it but for why Why hasn't this existed before? What's going on? What's
1: you know happened? what? And I think like, that's such a good question. I think we see this a lot in, in like nonprofit social justice organizations. There's like this sense that, hey, we're doing all this good work out there. We don't have to necessarily apply such a strong lens in here. And that you couldn't it couldn't be further from the truth. Right. Like we have wow, to be yeah. interrogating ourselves at the same kind of at least for the ACLU with the same kind of vigor that we interrogate the entire country and, Right. And you know America and her, her laws and her values and her principles. Um, so, so yeah, I think that the core of my work, if I'm going to be like really just down to brass tacks about it, um, I try to make sure that people feel like they belong at work, like we see them, like we value them, we, we care about them. And there's a ton of like policy and strategy and sophistication behind how we do that. But at the end of the day, that's that's what I do. Um But working at the ACLU, especially during this time has been just the strangest, as you can imagine. It's just been a wild, wild experience. I got there in September of, of 2019. So we were kind of towards the end of the, the Trump presidency. And but we were still very much like on the front lines in the war, you know, Um, over the over the Trump years. We sued that man over 400 times. Right. I yeah. mean, like, I mean, just it is, a, it is a badge of pride that we have. Right. <laughs> we right. See you, there's a hat also next to the cat portrait that says, like, we'll see you in court. Right. And that's that's the thing. Like, we just were trying so hard to kind of hold up the, the pieces of democracy that that we could. But, you know, not to get too too intense about it, I'll tell you, like, we're just battling a warrant like that it took a lot it's like you can't imagine and it's not done it's not done right and yeah. we're just we're gearing up for the midterms we're gearing up from 2024 and shit's bleak right the attack on trans folks the attack on reproductive food attack on voting rights like we're still out there y'all and it's it's what's it like we're going to it's hard y'all it's it's really it's really damn hard yeah right, right.
3: oh man so you got a taste of the trump years because i Ooh. during that time was uh doing like pro bono videos for the ACLU Chicago. And oh, it was like hard to keep track of all of the court cases that I would like highlight in the videos. And like yes. I would constantly update these videos on like what has the ACLU accomplished thus far? And it was just like it, I can't imagine being inside of the organization during those years. Of oh, course, even now, it's still oh, there's sure. so much urgency to what we're doing, but it yeah, f- felt like war time it, it,
1: it very much it, yeah. we were just there for the for the fight I mean what else you you can't you can't not fight right like right. our rights our lives were on the line you know but mm-hmm. e-
2: even even pre and post Trump like all these issues like they're they're nothing new right like these are all things that the ACLU has had a fight for so I feel like almost Trump and all of that nonsense that went with it just created like more unnecessary work like Right. That's that's exactly right. Yeah, it's just like oh, now we have to waste our time like slapping all this stuff down. That's like obviously ridiculous because you're like oh, nobody's gonna just like ban a whole religion from coming into the country. That's not something we're gonna <laughs> have to worry a- about. From ass- the like, jump, right? From <laughs> like the jump, out the like gate, right? Like, yeah. Whoa, what? Oh, yeah. My it's like God. oh no no we have like real things that we've been working on. Now you're just introducing stuff from you know yes.
1: I think that was like, that was the most disorienting thing. And I mean, we can put it in the context of, of repro now, right? Because I work, as you can imagine with, we we the ACLU had a huge boom during the Trump years. Like we grew two three times, you know, in in size. And so we had a lot of it was a younger, queerer, browner kind of organization yeah. um, than it had been before. You think of traditional ACLUers, but you think about folks like we've got some of my closest colleagues have been at the ACLU for 30, 40 years. These are folks that were doing the women's rights project next to Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And these right. folks, can you imagine? They're like. How the fuck are we talking about Roe B? Wait, how the hell are we preparing for Roe to be overturned? Like, what is this? What is happening? And so in yeah. and, and the way that that just sits and infects your spirit, this has been your life's work and you never in your lifetime Thought that you would seriously be talking about Roe being overturned and what it's done to people's spirits coming out of the Trump years. And now he's gone. Right. And folks can't see me. I'm making quotes um, because the remnants of the administration still here. He's gone. But you're seeing the very thing that you dedicated your entire life to fight for really be on the line. Like folks, spirits are fucked up, y'all. I'm not I'm not going to lie to you. The emotional toll this has taken on folks. Mm -hmm. Is, right. is the thing. And I mean, I'm, I have a social work background and like, again, this is so much of my work is taking care of the people inside the organization. That's the thing that I'm sitting with. And it, this is, ACLU is a microcosm, right? This is what we're experiencing in our entire movement, right? This is what we're experiencing just like as, as queer people, right? <laughs> like how are we still having these conversations? How is How are we still debating our rights, our right to just like live and work and be free? It's, it's wild, y'all. It's a scary time. Yeah. I'm a lot of fun at parties. I don't know what to (laughs) do. I'm a freaking blast. (laughs) Oh, my God, y'all. You
3: know what? You're probably a lot of fun at pride parties, especially lately when people see a specific flag and you can go,
1: you're welcome. (laughs)
3: Yes.
1: (laughs) That was a beautiful transition. (laughs) Those we got to uh-huh.
3: talk about it. I mean, <laughs> iconic. I You're so. iconic in um, updating the pride flag to yeah. be more inclusive. Let's talk about that.
1: Let's, let's. <laughs> it's, so, it's so wild. So that's what, what was that, 2017? That flag yeah. is going to be five years old this year. That's so strange to me. It feels like just, it feels like yesterday, which is, um, which is such a trite thing to say, but, um, Yeah, that's another kind of another gloom and doom thing. Because of of course, we added the black and brown stripes to the flag to really just uplift the experiences that LGBTQ folks of color have within the community, right? And, And outside of it. So the idea was racism and discrimination exist within this community we see it we've been talking about it but it's something that continues to be kind of whitewashed dismissed invisibilized. and so what what do queers love more than anything flags honey we love a flag everybody's got a damn flag the bears got a flag right like the kinky folks got a flag like lesbians have like trans or bi folks like okay let's have this flag that uplifts this community and helps to start and like, re-engage this conversation in a meaningful way and I'll be honest you know when I introduced the flag it, it felt frankly a pretty like a pretty benign kind of action it's like like I said like we love flags here's another flag that's right. the suite of flags that we have what's the big deal but y'all I got death threats I got hate mail. Oh, oh the backlash yeah. the backlash yeah. it was
2: i saw the backlash to it i mean i didn't know what was going on but i remember seeing people kind of like arguing against the backlash and being like everybody like calm down but there were so many i mean older i'll say mostly older white gays yeah. who yeah, <laughs> yeah. who were like the rainbow includes everything and it's like that's you're missing, You're missing the point. The, point.
1: You're the point's there.
2: over here. You're over here. You've missed it.
1: All right. <laughs> and I mean, and, and truly, to be honest, if we could have kept the discourse there, that yeah. that may be. I mean, none of this is okay. You're just like, we're telling you that you've invisibilized our experiences and then you're just further invisibilizing them. So to exactly you're <laughs> like, you're exactly. missing the point. Or like, this is, this is actually the point. You're making the point, in fact. Um, <laughs> exactly. If you could have kept the discourse there, that would have been one thing. But again, that's not where it stayed. Like I got hate mail and death threats. People that were associated with my office that were associated with, with that initiative that helped raise the flag, they received the same kind of vitriol. And to your point, it wasn't outside the community. Like I'm used to, of just like racist, homophobic trolls. This right. was our community. And they were right. taking the time to be like, no, this isn't yours. Like, stay in your lane. They call me a Black Lives Matter N-word, right? They said that I had hijacked their community. Like again, making the point, making the point. But that was the hardest part about it. Is that first of all, it happened during Pride Month of, of 2017, but they were they were supposed to be our people.
2: Right. What did you do? to, I don't know, like, self-care during that time. That seems like...
1: Oh, my gosh. It's so funny. Because you
2: accomplished something great that you should be, you know, celebrating. You did something like... You helped do something that was so um, important and did, like... I, I don't know. And then to have to deal with that, too, at the same time, like, you can't just, like, enjoy the moment.
1: <laughs> you really couldn't. And you're so right, Karen. Like, we we raised the flag on a Thursday, never forget it, with, like, glitter, drag queens, like, we are family, all the bullshit. The yeah. And then by Friday, the death threats had come in because the flag went immediately viral, which, like... I just, we never anticipated that. It was just going to be a Philadelphia thing. We didn't think anybody would pick it up. And now, obviously, that seems naive to to even have thought that. But it went immediately viral. I didn't have no damn talking points. I didn't have a like press statement (laughs) together. We're just like, well, I mean, it's kind of self-explanatory, isn't it? Right. <laughs> That's right. the thing. So what did I do? I mean, to be honest, we were inundated pretty immediately. The mayor got death threats, right? Because the mayor was at the flag raising. And I think I was three months on the job at the time at the, at the mayor's office. He was like, what the hell's going on, kid? Like I got <laughs> from Australia. Like, who are you? What's happening? So yeah, there was a bit of it. I, I will tell you, we had some really great allies and accomplices, like some white queer folks that would step up and say, hey, do you need somebody to answer your email? Do you need somebody to, to like, answer the phones. And that was helpful because there was a serious trauma of like answering that phone and then having folks say those kinds of things to you. So that was one of the self-care things that I did, let let folks kind of do the intake there. And I also minimized the amount of back and forth I got into with individuals around this, right? That was again, another ally and accomplice thing. I said it all the time, like white people go collect your folks. Like this is actually not our labor. You, There are a handful of y'all that get this, go, go handle your people. And that was another self-care thing that like we still have white folks to collect their folks around this because there's still folks who are upset about it um but i will tell you i focus a lot on like the kind of negativity that came out there because i think it's important for us to realize how far we still have to go right yeah but we really were overwhelmed by the calls the emails the texts the tweets that were like it is so beyond time for this and thank you for letting me see myself um and and allies being like oh my god yeah this is great where can i get one which is also something we hadn't thought about (laughs) you know <laughs> so, it, so it balanced out. It really did balance out. And just as quickly as the vitriol spread, the the adoption of the flags spread as well. It's so yeah. it wild for me to see it literally all over the world. Like every single day, somebody's like, here's the flag in Thailand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like
3: Lena Waithe is wearing it to, yeah, to the, the men. men. Yeah. <laughs> Huge.
1: It's so wild. Converse, yeah. you know, like it just, it's crazy. It's, it's really fun.
3: I think it probably did help jumpstart a lot of conversations around intersectional allyship. It really was around that time. It was like Trump became president. People are getting more hip to like a lot of social issues we kind of ignored when we got comfortable during Obama. That's and right. then like around that time, everyone started... Being like, you know what, we got to talk intersectionality. And then I remember, yeah, seeing the backlash from the pride flag was just a really good uh, case study in that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's exactly right. Our, You know, our community just has like a lot We just got to We got work. We got work. We got some self-interrogation. We got to keep doing. I think that this is kind of back to what I was saying about social justice organizations. I think there is this assumption that because we're marginalized folks, we don't participate in marginalization or oppression of of other folks. And that's just false. Right. In the same way that. for instance, people of color can be homophobic or transphobic, right? Um women can be racist, right? Just because you're a member of a marginalized community doesn't mean you can't participate in the marginalization of other communities. And so yeah, queer people can be racist as well. And yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we need to be able to talk about that and do something about it. And yeah, right. we can't, we can't change it until we name it. So there's, yeah, there's there's a lot of really great conversation. And I think real change that came out of it. Um to I'll tell you all a secret. Um, I said that I thought the flag was kind of a benign thing. I really didn't think it was much of anything. I was like, this is just like, it's a it's a symbol, right? Like, where's the real substance? Um, and I was actually quite surprised at all the substance, like policy, real conversations, like real community shifts that came out of like a piece of fabric. Uh, yeah. And I'm still pretty surprised by it.
2: That was like <laughs> one of the most important things. Like the, the flag before, I feel like, used to just symbolize like... Oh, this is a queer friendly space, right? Yes. Like you would, that, that's what it was. It was a identifier. You'd see it in a window of a bar and you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to go here and feel like a little bit safer. And then like this actually started a conversation that had been long, long, long needed in a way that we never, we never talked about the flag before
3: right
1: yeah that's yeah like just made it
3: relevant (laughs) i mean you're (laughs) a part of history like there's um i'm watching (laughs) on hbo we're here uh show have you heard of this
1: yeah i've seen like a little bit of it but i need to sit down and really do i need to binge it is it is it good
3: it's great. You should watch the episode. Uh, they're on season two right now, and they go to different cities where you know they're more rural and uh, maybe not the most liberal. And uh, three drag queens, Bob the drag queen, Eureka, Hera, and Shangela, go and they pick a few people and really um, they put on a drag show mm-hmm. at every town they go to, and they help some people there come out of their shell, whether they may be like closeted or trans and afraid of putting themselves out there in front of their community. And I just watched the episode that took place in Selma, and obviously... An important episode to watch in general for the civil rights history there, but there's just they do a close up on the intersectional flag, and oh, just like cool. there's a black trans woman walking up to it. it's like, see when I see that, like that's how I know like I'm safe, and it's just like, man, you are you awesome. I, you will go down in history <laughs> like, in every little way, just like the ripple effect of it is so
1: profound. Y'all are are very kind. I had a really tough (laughs) week and this is apparently the conversation I needed just to to fill up my tank a little bit. So thank you for that, y'all. It's it's very... It's very, it's, yeah. That that's very meaningful to me. I, I appreciate it. I
2: yeah. Really well, please that. come to us for compliments anytime. Uh, just <laughs> from here on out, if you're having a bad day, uh, ring us up. We'll we'll sling some compliments your way.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I may have to take y'all up on this, especially in this new legislative session we're going into. Oh gosh.
3: So <laughs> yeah, we work with the ACLU. We kind of uh, we gas Amber up, so we're doing our part.
1: <laughs> Thank you for we're your here service. for it. <laughs> No, seriously, I, I I appreciate y'all. This is y'all are fine. Y'all are a lot of fun.
0: <laughs> are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back.
2: So you mentioned, um, you know, allies and accomplices. Let's talk yeah. about the the difference between the two for people who are not familiar.
1: Yeah. Oh, my gosh, man. I feel like you all have to have more fun guests. I'm going to try to come up with a squirting, queefing joke um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> to fit in a little bit better, but maybe not in the concept of uh, the
2: allies. Concept. Queef. <laughs>
1: Accomplices squirt. Okay, <laughs> is that the? going to be the name of this episode. <laughs> oh my god, my poor family. No. <laughs> oh gosh, they definitely heard worse. So let me see. Um, relationship and, and accompliceship. Yeah, this is like such a perfect kind of tie into the flag conversation because I think you're right. I think. um some of the real uh, challenging pieces that came out of that is not just that we had to do this kind of interrogation of our whole community, right? We had to do interrogations of ourselves and um, of the ways that we show up for each other, like even what our friend circles look like, right? Like I just saw a lot of really interesting kind of shifts that were happening and changes people were making for themselves. So, um, and of course this, this conversation hit like a different kind of crescendo, um, obviously in the summer of 2020 um, in the racial reckoning there. So let me see. Um, I think folks think about allyship in terms of like solidarity, right? So if allyship is about, like being an ally is about being in solidarity, like accomplishing, Accompliceship is about leveraging your privilege, like weaponizing your own power, like really putting your, like putting your body on the line, like putting more skin in the game. And so accompliceship is saying, like, I'm not just here to cheer you on. I'm here to fight with you like it's my own fight, right? And that's kind of different from, from allyship. Like accomplices believe in their bones that their comfort is less important than someone else's liberation. That makes sense, and then yes. they act on that belief. And so I think that's like that's kind of like as concrete as I can give it. But you know what? Let me let me give you let me give you some more. To give an example, a white ally is going to march in a protest, right? A white accomplice, like maybe we're talking about someone, right? A white ally is going to march. Mm-hmm. A white accomplice is going to put their body between BIPOC protesters and police right? Like that's a different kind of thing. And I don't want to I'm giving you kind of a a more like intense, like inflammatory example. So I can really describe what I'm talking about, but accompliceship doesn't always have to mean like literally putting yourself in harm's way. Um, A cis ally is going to correct someone who's using the wrong pronouns. Like a cis accomplice maybe is going to like fun name change clinics, right? Like they're going to put more skin <laughs> in the game there. Uh, a male ally, um, a, like a man who's an ally is going to ensure that there's like pay equity on his team. A male accomplice is gonna give up an opportunity at work so a woman or a non-binary person has a chance at it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, so it's not easy. Accomplish is not easy. And to be fair, like it ain't for everybody because it demands that we trade in our privilege for equity right yeah. we yeah it's 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 hard it's transformative but if we're actually going to finally get free like we need people with privilege to to step up like that and there's space for all of us right like i'm a person that has a lot of marginalizations but i also have a lot of privileges so there's space for me to find out how i can be an ally to disabled folks to be an ally to immigrants Right. Like there's a lot of space um, to be an ally to folks who are experiencing poverty. Right. Like there's like there are a lot of like a lot of ways that all of us can get involved um, to be allies and accomplices.
2: I think sometimes the bridge from ally to accomplice, there can be a lot of fear there Mm -hmm. of am, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing this the right way? And maybe a fear of like, well, what if I try to step up, and I think I'm helping, but I'm actually not helping, and then people call me out, like there's, especially like today, there's a lot of fear of being called out for a a misstep. Or for
3: being like performative, I feel Mm -hmm. like. Or for being performative, yeah, there's a lot of ways you could go wrong. The threat of being seen as performative is getting in the way of a lot of people doing actual good lately, honestly.
1: That is, so yeah. real. that is so real. I see that all the time, you all. Mm-hmm. I I think when I talk to folks, I think that's probably the biggest thing that comes up. Folks are like, I really want to get involved. I just don't want to get this wrong. And, um, you know, I tell people all the time, like, I do this work full-time and like every day I'm called in. And I think that's, I think that's okay, good, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, all the time. Yeah. And I feel like when we're in community with folks who or pushing for liberation as, as hard as we are, like we're, yeah, we're going to get called in, right? We're going to, people are going to push us to do better. And so I want us to be able to normalize kind of accepting that, that feedback, but I know that's easier said than done. You know, the one thing I think I can give for our like listeners who are kind of thinking about this or grappling with this is the way that I approach call-ins is, to experience them is like t- somebody telling you that you have like food in your teeth. Um, and, uh, <laughs> That's good. And so like, kind of like rock with me here. Like when that happens, yeah. right, it's awkward for everybody. Like it's totally awkward. Right. For everybody. Everybody's uncomfortable. But what do you do? Like somebody tells you have food in your teeth, you like thank them, right? You're like well, thank you so much for that call in. Like you get it, you get it out, and um, and you move on to the next room, like showing up better. And you have to, you have to understand that like that person didn't have to do that labor. They didn't have to, they didn't have to give you that heads up. They could have had you go in the next room looking and making a fool out of yourself, Mm -hmm. but they, they, they gave you some feedback that was helpful to you so that you didn't show up poorly in the next phase. Mm -hmm. And so when somebody tells us that we've like misgendered someone, we've used outdated language, or we're taking up too much space to like go to y'all's, your piece about kind of being performative, like let's accept that as somebody's telling us that we have food in our teeth and appreciate yeah. the call in, fix our teeth, keep it moving to the next room, show up better. Right. Like and yeah. maybe I'm oversimplifying yeah. it a little bit, but I think it'll probably stick with people. At least that that metaphor yeah. will.
3: That is the perfect analogy. it's very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Okay. So we know how to call someone in maybe now. How do we apologize?
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah, y'all are having me do the whole, the whole lesson. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. How do, we, how do we say sorry? Um, let's
3: see. Um, uh... I don't know. It just feels like apologies are really in the spotlight. <laughs> Get out the after, notes app. After yeah. our, you know, real reckoning over the last couple of years. It's <sighs> Yeah.
1: What are you all seeing that folks are needing to apologize? For? Like, I have some ideas, but I'm wondering if you all could just give some examples of what you... Of like to bad seen. apologies? No, I mean, you can either do that or, <laughs> or just things that you see people needing to apologize for.
3: Oh, yeah. I mean,
2: w- one common thing, at least that we see in in the queer community is even like apologizing. Uh, I guess after, after maybe being called in, um, I think that... One, people apologize and sometimes make things worse after maybe like misgendering or not recognizing their cis privilege. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
3: or like centering themselves in their apology. Yeah. Too? yeah.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Y'all are okay. I'm gonna hit. A, I'm gonna hit a few of those. So the first thing. Let me start with the centering themselves because it feels like we like we're kind of circling around that theme. Um. and this. I'll tell you when we're talking about apologizing. Like this is not just this. This works like in your relationships, child. This works at right. work. Um, <laughs> this is like just knowing how to apologize is just a good right. life skill. So the first thing is obviously acknowledging um, impact over intent. Right. So, um, uh, for instance, I use this a lot at work, like there's a lot of interruptions that happen, um, with like maybe, you know, men interrupting women, like to so just make it like uh, incredibly binary and, um, and maybe oversimplified. Um, but to say something like, um, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was just so excited about the conversation, right? Like that centers intent mm-hmm. as opposed to, I didn't, I didn't intend to talk over you, but I know that I did. And because I interrupted you, you didn't get a chance to share your idea right? Like that centers the impact of it. And so I just want to tell folks that when you're, when you're thinking about apologizing, just be thoughtful about acknowledging the impact of what you did over your intention. And I think when we start thinking about intention, that's where we would start centering like, but let me explain all the, it's like the way this impacted this person is actually what's most important. So kind of start there. And if you have to just give a little bit of an explanation, just like get in, get out with that, but really do like, make it like an 80, 20 kind of thing. 20% of it is, here's here's what I intended. 80% of it is like, this is how it impacted you. Just being able to validate folks experience it goes a long way. The other thing is like, I I know we all know this, but I think I just have to say it because I hear this every single day. If the word if is in your apology, then you apologize wrong, right? Uh, I'm sorry Mm -hmm. if, you heard me if say, or I'm sorry. Yeah. If I, yeah, right. Like or
2: you, if, if I offended you. Yeah. It's like, no, well, no, you offended, you, know you
1: offended me. You know, you offended me. You know, that's we're here. You know, you offended me. Yeah. So take that if out of your apology, and it can almost immediately transition from like gaslighting to accountability. And I think that's, I think that's really important. And like, honestly, that's a really great one for your partners. So everybody's welcome. Uh, right. <laughs> your, your partner will really appreciate that. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, that's just, I guess that's just, that's just a few, uh, that's just a couple of things that I think I would say. An impact in over intent, take the if out of your apology. And I, yeah, the final thing just around accountability is only apologize, only promise what you can actually control. I think that some of us, like for mis- you all talked about misgendering, we've talked about that a couple of times. I think folks are like, when they misgender, right, there's so much shame that comes around that, right? And so folks will, they, oh, they like over, over, over apologize and they put all this labor on the trans or non binary person to like hold space for all this shit. Right. And, and then they center themselves, right, in it. But then they, they, they do this thing that I hear all the time. It's just like, okay, I will never do that again. So first of all, you likely overcommitted here. So first of all, you don't think that you did it intentionally. So why would you be, why would you apologize for something that you don't really think that you can completely control in the first place? So you should be thoughtful about saying, I'm really going to work hard. I'm going to do my research. I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do this, but I don't, uh, don't commit to never doing something again when you think that it's unconscious in the first place. Does that make sense? That was a little convoluted, but um, I think there's an accountability piece that we have to be thoughtful about because if you apologize or you promise something and then you end up going ahead and doing it again, you're just eroding that trust and you, you kind of lose integrity there. Right yeah this is so heavy y'all I'm so sorry I promise I'm fun at parties I promise
2: (laughs) I bet you're like let's talk about anything but this get out the twister (laughs) yeah you're probably maybe you're too fun at parties (laughs) I really am people are like oh
1: yeah where's the
2: ice luge yeah
1: (laughs) thousand percent and I came up like I throw I throw queer parties like kind of as a balance to this yeah, very yeah. intense work and yes. it is it's just my favorite thing that I do in the world but you're totally right like I have entirely too much fun I just seem like a person that's like like in the office all the time and I'm like oh my god you guys are outside this is that like out of a chaos <laughs> exactly exactly
2: when I was out the other night, I met uh, a doctor who performs abortions at Planned Parenthood. And I'm like, we don't have to talk about it. I'm like, <laughs> you know,
1: yes, you know, and they're probably so. What are you watching on
2: TV? Yeah,
1: <laughs> let's not get into it. <laughs> totally, totally, totally. I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. It's, I mean, you have to have those breaks, right? Because right, the gloom and doom is just everywhere these days. Yeah, it's inescapable. So. Yeah, wherever we could just fill our cups up with the, if it's like just trash TV or Ugh. yeah, just like queer queer nonsense, queer social nonsense. I'm all for it.
3: <laughs> queer social nonsense. Uh-huh. Yes, I don't even Your know what that means, cup. but y'all know.
1: Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah. Uh, it means means like poppy juice
1: coffee he- juice oh Poppy <laughs> juice i had tickets to their last party that they had to cancel obviously Me because too. Of did you really yeah. oh they're so hard to get i was I like know. finally you <laughs> got to get on the dice
3: app um, oh i'm on it i'm on it okay yeah, yeah. Notifications. <laughs> you know you That's know okay mm-hmm. so i believe that you have fun outside of work <laughs> i already know everything i need to know <laughs> You're and they're big the enough that you,
1: that you can be, shout out to poppy juice, y'all, but they're big enough that you can be like fairly anonymous. And so I actually know yeah, a handful yeah. of ACLUers viewers that are just like, yes, child, we can be here and talk about anything other than the fall of democracy. It'd be great. <laughs> yeah. So I love it's some poppy juice. Yes. <laughs> we'll, we'll, uh, we'll try to coordinate next oh time. Oh no, uh, my God, that, that was so be, much fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure.
2: A question I have in terms of like being an accomplice Sometimes I find that because you have groups that share a a certain label, whether it's um, trans or black or lesbian or whatever, but those groups aren't monoliths, right? right. Because there are so many different perspectives and experiences and points of view. So it can be hard to know, like, what am I supposed to be? advocating for so for example arrest the cops who killed brianna taylor and i was like right okay that's the rallying cry and then it was like no abolition (laughs) like where i get to i'm like oh no oh no i did it wrong and i'm like well now which one and there's you know it's like defund the police abolish the police but then when you look at like who did new york city just elect mayor and and what, what Mm -hmm. were the, who, what was the demographic of who overwhelmingly elected him? So I'm like, well, Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm very out of touch with, like with the groups I'm not a part of. I don't know like what, because there are so many different viewpoints and especially with like my trans friends too, my trans friends, I know people that have very different positions on issues within the trans community. So it's like, I want to be, as helpful as I can be but I'm like but I don't
1: do
2: want to yeah. do harm so so then then I find myself just like taking a step back and being like let's talk squirting no <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm gonna that's the last time I'm bringing it up that's the last doubt time it out, right? doubt it
3: doubt
1: it <laughs> <laughs> That was that was great. <laughs> Dude, abolition <laughs> spreading. This is this has been a journey, my friends. Um, <laughs> no, oh my god, Carolyn, this is a tough one, right? So I appreciate yeah. that you started the conversation around like you know these communities are not monoliths, and so I think that's I, I'll start there too because I'm obviously not speaking for anyone else but myself. But I'll say as a student of abolition, I, I will say as a student of abolition, and I I make that distinction because i do consider myself an abolitionist but i am also somebody who wants the the cops who killed brianna taylor like arrested and locked up and so how do you (laughs) square right like how do you square those things i was also a person that was cheering for derek chauvin to be like to be locked up and sent away and so how do you square me wanting to abolish prisons and abolish the police What I want to, I want to name that because I think that there are a lot of folks, regardless of your identities that are dealing with those, those, those issues and how they're contending with one another and how there are tensions around them. And so I just want to say that's that's okay. Like we are trying to, many of us are trying to build a new vision for this country and for this world. And we are building it out of models that don't, we are building models that don't exist. We are drawing blueprints that don't exist. We are going to have these tension points. I think what's really important, and this is not, this is it's not my intention to have kind of to sidestep the question, but I do think that we have to grapple with these questions in community, and what I think is really particularly challenging when we talk about police and prisons within this context, right? Is that we are, at least for as far as we can see right now, right? We still are in a police state, right? Even those of us, even those of us who are like anti-capitalist, right? We still have to talk about and operate within capitalism now. So I think that we are we're in this kind of um, two steps forward, one step back place, because we are envisioning a future that doesn't exist. And we don't have any models right now for what we're trying to create. And all we have is what we can see in in, in front of us. And so and we have so many people at the table who are coming from all of those different places. And so we continue to kind of bump up against one another. In terms of the core of your question, Carolyn, which is like, who do we follow, right? Like who is, right. who, what, what, what's the vision? I don't have an answer for you, right? There are as many opinions on this as there are folks, right? There, there are people who are part of the conversation, at least from where, where I sit, and I know where the, the, the conversation, even within the ACLU, there, our, our, our official position, right, is defund the police and by that we literally mean d- decrease significantly decrease the the um the funding and redistribute it into community yes. right we have so many different plans and policies around how that works but i will be transparent with you there are plenty of folks in the ACLU that feel like that is entirely too radical a position. It's not um, It's not a logical position, right? It's not a position that holds space for the nuance and the reality of where we are now. And so I, I mentioned that because I think that like reasonable people can disagree about this even though I am an abolitionist and I believe deeply that we have to defund police, abolish prison, right? Um, reasonable people can disagree on this and can disagree on the approach. Forward. And so there aren't any clean answers right. because we're creating something truly out of, out of nothing. Right. Um, right. that's what liberation looks like. It doesn't look anything like what we have right now. Um, so I just, I, I guess for me, I just encourage us to continue to think and dream beyond what we even see is, is possible. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's hard because it's like, sometimes I wonder because like There has been, I think, such a a shift in the past couple of years and people want to help and they're, they're eager and then they're, they're moving fast, but then I'm like, is it a little bit too fast? So all of a sudden, for example, these, um, Community fridges, I don't don't know what the right name for them were were showing up right in communities. It's like, oh, they're like refrigerators outside with like free food for people who need it. And then the people who were working at food banks were like, what are you doing? Like, no, 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 this is this is not a a solution. And the intention you know, for everyone was good, and like trying to think more like radical and more community-based, and people getting more involved. And in, you know, so I read about it. I was like, a b- "This is a beautiful thing." And then the next day, it's like, "Why these are bad?" I'm like, "Oh <laughs> god."
3: <laughs> That's been the last couple of years.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And like, like, like with this, everything, yeah. with everything, every Absolutely. every issue, it's like one person being like great and you look at it and you're like oh what a great idea what a beautiful thing I support that and the next day it's like why this is problematic I'm like oh yeah yeah, yeah. it is
1: problematic." I mean, that's, that's, a fair, that's a fair point yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> I think my problem is I just don't have strong convictions so any think piece I'm like oh yep
1: there, there they go I know, that's <laughs> my problem you <laughs> just swaying back and forth. That is so fair. That is so fair. I was talking to a colleague literally just this morning about perfect being the enemy of good. And I think that's what right. we were talking, right, we yeah. were talking a lot about some kind of like internal policies, but I think we get stuck in movement space around this as well. I know from ACLU perspective, when we're thinking about campaigns or um, proposals for like the Biden administration, all of this, like we feel like it has to be absolutely perfect. And right. we- we kind of like tweak it and whole poke it to death and we end up kind of being, yeah, we, we, we end up um, kind of halting and, and, and setting our own ability to progress because of, because of that, that said the other, flip side of that is that we have communities and folks who have been doing this work for ages. And I think where we get mixed up or that um, there are folks who are so enthusiastic about the work that has to be done that they try to run, run the ball down the field without checking in with the communities that have been showing up for this work for a really yeah. long time. And so we see yeah. that in coalitions Right. We see that in like any of our spaces, immigration spaces, trans rights spaces. Like we see this all over the place. Books are like, yeah, yeah, racial justice for sure. Like, okay, I'm here, like I'm ready to go. And so like we've been here. We know, like we've got some best practice on this. We can also tell you like what the North Star is. Can y'all just be led? by us, and this is also a cautionary tale for allies and accomplices, right? Like, And if you're trying to check on your performativeness, look around and check first on the communities who have been leading on this work before and find out what you can do to signal boost the work that they're doing, find out what you can do to add your voice to the chorus of folks who have been doing this instead of kind of like embarking on your own new thing, right? Like how can we um, kind of like galvanize, right? And, and be able to really, Um, combine our efforts rather than falling into all these factions and, and frankly, burning ourselves out and maybe just going down the wrong path, right? There are folks who have been in community that can tell us this, we've we've got some good practice on how we can carry this ball forward. We just need more hands to help with the lift.
3: Right. I don't know if that makes sense to folks. So much yeah. sense. I think a lot of people fell into that. On top of that, we were in a lockdown kind of quarantine. Yes. People were just like, I need to do something. And like just jumping in and getting so burnt out yeah. without checking in or amplifying things that were already in the works.
1: Totally, Saw that totally. a lot. Here in Brooklyn. <laughs> oh, like I, was, I was in Brooklyn too. I know exactly, exactly what you mean. Yeah. And it's hard because yeah. we lose people in the movement because of that, right? Like they get really excited about it. They run in the wrong direction. Somebody like you know, tackles them. I'm just really going with this football metaphor. y'all. I don't know what the hell's going on, but somebody like somebody blocks, blocks them. Right. And they get so defeated about it. Right. That they they do that retreating that Carolyn's talking about. I'm kind of like, Oh, okay. I don't, I don't know. I'm not really sure what to do. And we lose folks in the movement in, in, in that way. So that's something that I definitely saw as well. Yeah. to pace ourselves. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Like let ourselves be led, be, be led by the com- community. Yes. And, yeah. Yeah. That's the way to go. Oh, well, folks. Oh my yeah, gosh. We got to wrap up. We got. Yeah, to. You got a
3: hard out. You. have So much important work to
1: do. I have much to continue less meetings that I have to go to as well.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. Well.
1: Yeah. This has been so lovely, you all. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Do you have like fun questions that you ask folks to kind of keep things light on the way out? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, this this is going to be a, another heavy one to wrap it up. But okay. uh, no. Carolyn, I don't you- think it, it's that heavy. I, I think it's a nice thing. So I guess... Like, what is a simple way, let's say, for people who are listening, just like a starting point uh if you're not even there yet what what's a way that we can better show up for each other
1: uh, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, gosh you know the i think when i when I talk to folks so often about so much of this work um people are really excited to kind of what you all were talking about, like look outward, right? Like, let me see how I can put a refrigerator up in my community or, you know, let me like jump out of the streets and protest. And, and, and these things are really important. But I think the most important work that we can do is just, is is the, the internal work. Like I tell folks all the time, clean your house first and, and clean your house before you invite company over. And so what I mean by that is, like, look around, right? Look around your friend circle. Look around your softball team, right? <laughs> Keeping it real good, in day. Yeah. like, and 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 notice who's there, who's not there, and start to interrogate, like, what can I do to make the spaces that I'm in safer for folks that that I want to feel safe around me. Like what can start with that internal work and that internal work can be right. Like checking, checking your shit on pronouns, like checking anti-blackness that shows up for you. It's all about educating yourself first, but like doing that work so that what other efforts you have of like wanting to expand your circle or expand your community, like those are going to be more fruitful efforts because you've already done that labor. And the, the extension just a little bit beyond that is actually about your your family, right? It's about your family. It's about your community. It's about the folks that are in your friend circle. Like that's also your house. So you clean up your actual self, but you also help clean up the folks that are around you. Like do that work in your intimate circle first, before you even worry about what's going on out there. Like that's what we really, we really need. I say, especially for allies and accomplices, like we know the messenger matters. And so you being the messenger for yourself or for the folks that you're closest to is really what's going to be able to like move us several steps closer to liberation. It's going to be, that's going to be a more effective tool and strategy more than anything else that I can, that I can think of. So clean your house first. Uh, That's, that's what I got. All right. I love that. Yeah.
2: Thank you. Yeah. Again. Amber, where can people follow you and all the great work that you're doing in the ACLU yeah. or what? What are the marching orders for? Yes. Oh, my dictate? gosh.
1: Joe, I feel like that's all I've been doing this whole time is just <laughs> No, I've got I'm gonna get better with, with social media. I've been taking a heck heck of a long extended um kind of social media hiatus. But like I think I'm most active on Instagram probably. Um Facebook I've just abandoned completely, but you can follow me there. That works. Uh Twitter, uh, I do things on LinkedIn every once in a while. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna get better. Oh, and I released a TED Talk um last last year and it's so wow, I think it has a 1.5 million views. And so check all out right, let's get it up to sure. two. Hey, yeah, two million club would be very cool. Um, but I want y'all to bring me back and we're just gonna um, just you know talk, we're just gonna bullshit and have fun next time. Next I time promise. we're gonna
2: we're gonna talk about el- elderly cats.
1: Yeah, <laughs> right. You know what I thought you were gonna do? I thought you were gonna say squirting. I, I know, know.
2: <laughs> but she kept that promise I told to you. herself. <laughs> I know y'all did we're great. Not here today. Up. <laughs> no, we're gonna talk about <laughs> geriatric cats the next time i'm
1: so here for it i am so 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 here for it
2: okay we're okay we're reaching out all right amber this has been a delight and we'll right, see friend. you at poppy juice
1: in the meantime oh without yes. a doubt without a doubt text me we're there yes all
3: right thank friends. you amber bye, take care. A pleasure. Bye. bye, bye. I know
2: Amber didn't think that she was being a fun, but I actually had a lot, a lot of fun with that interview, and I can't wait for our geriatric cats episode. Even though I don't have a cat, nor do I like cats that much,
3: you shut your mouth.
2: I I would dike out with her about cats or
3: anything else she wants to dike out about. And speaking of not liking things that much, I feel like I'm going to get a little backlash about the flags of it all. Um. I want to be I want to be clear if if you don't know I do have a stand-up joke and I joke on here sometimes about how I think all flags are ugly that does not include Amber's flag
2: you know I was thinking about our Jenna Lyons episode where uh, I didn't realize how deep your hatred for flags went and you really go on a tear setting up that question (laughs) Before before we ask Jenna Lyons,
3: because I slipped into my stand up like angle on yeah the, yeah and I <laughs> which is a lot more aggressive. Yeah,
2: you you can almost hear oh. Melody dragging the soapbox to position <laughs> underneath her before she goes off on flags. But everything we say about everything we just said about the flag w- with Amber was one hundred percent earnest and sincere.
3: We love her flag. Oh, yeah. I genuinely do love her flag. She made
2: flags important. I am
3: making fun of the traditional pride flag in my stand-up material about this, at least. But yeah, I just want everyone (laughs) to know.
2: Let's get to our listener question. This one is also from a patron, which means it went to the top of the list. This is another one that we've paraphrased to take out some identifying Information, but to the patron who suggested this, we have emailed you to let you know that this very uh, different sounding question is in fact your question, and hopefully we can give you uh, answers that work with it. But we're just trying to make it more more general to help more people. So go right. for it,
3: Mel. All right. So this listener, who is not at all codependent, is engaged to someone who is extremely codependent. Okay, they thought getting engaged would make the partner feel more secure and less codependent, but it didn't change anything. This listener lives in Los Angeles and works in entertainment, but their fiance wants to move away and live a more simple life. It all boils down to the fact that they're torn. Do they follow the person they love to start a new kind of life or do they put their career and needs first, which means likely breaking off this engagement? They also asked, what do you do if you feel like you've met your person but wish you'd met them like five years later? Yeah. It's important, yeah, to emphasize that, like, this person's industry pretty much only exists where they are now.
2: Yeah. So it's... There are some more context about this, but the the codependence... It seems like we're talking about a couple different things here, but the codependency seems to be something... That was uh, present in the beginning of the relationship, and let me just say, red flag immediately that it almost sounded like this person engaged just to appease their partner and make them feel more secure in the relationship. And what a horrible idea! That is not why you should get engaged. So right away, I'm gonna I'm gonna blow the whistle and say, call it off. Yeah, call it off. The short answer is I think you know what you need to do, but it's really hard because I have zero doubt that you love this person so much and that you care about them, but that does not mean that they're the right person for you if you want different things. And if if this person is like a super codependent and you really don't like that, that's that's a really big mismatch. So that paired with the fact that you also want to live Two different kinds of life yeah. and two different settings, then, then you're already not on the same page. And I don't know what this five years later would have changed. When I met uh, Cecilia or when Cecilia and I got together, it was not the right time. You know, yes, I thought, wow, I wish this could have happened a, a little bit more after my divorce. <laughs> Right. Uh, you know, like the the ink hadn't dried on the paperwork and <laughs> like the court hadn't officially granted the divorce and there she was uh strolling up to me with, with that with that cute cute butt and what was I supposed to do? Um but I couldn't I couldn't think like oh if only this had happened later cuz that's not the reality. So it's like, well, I have to make a decision. I can't like the reality isn't that we're meeting later in life. So it's like I take my chances and I do not pursue this because the timing isn't right for me right now, or I pursue this and I say, timing be damned, this is what I want to do. This is a little bit close to the advice from last week about the having babies. It's just like sometimes you have to make a call and it's never going to feel completely right. But think about what, what do you want? And what do you want your life to look like, two years from now, five years from now? And if it's not aligned with the other person you're with, then it's better to to part ways now.
3: That's my take, Mel. That's exactly my take. Um, there were more details that I'm like speaking to, yeah, <laughs> in my reasoning, but right, it's like. It- If you're just starting to find your footing in your industry, do you not think maybe you were held back and you couldn't have been getting these opportunities sooner if you maybe had been more available and pursuing what you're so passionate about and instead were wrapped up in this relationship? Again, I'm like speaking directly to this person, to details (laughs) that we have omitted.
2: Yeah, no, I know it's hard. We we don't want to say too much here, but you know, it it's tough when you have to pick between when you feel like you have to pick between like career and love. But that's not really the choice, because I don't think that if you choose career right now that you'll never have love like you. You can have both and you can have um, a partner who who aligns with both. And I know some of your reasoning for, you know, trying to find uh what would be the positives to leaving, you know, moving somewhere with like a lower cost of living. Life will be easier. I did that. Uh you know, I wasn't following my dreams when I was living in Atlanta. I had a stable job with benefits and I was living a very easy uh breezy life down in Atlanta and at the end of the day I wasn't fulfilled. And it wasn't until I moved to New York where I felt finally like my full self. And I felt finally alive for the first time in a while. Not to say I didn't feel alive in Atlanta, but I felt like me again. And mm-hmm. you can talk yourself into like cost of living and the the ease of, you know, not sitting in L.A. traffic or whatever it, it is that's hard about living there it's not going to matter if you're somewhere where you feel like you've had to stifle a big part of who you are and at the end of the day you need to be true to yourself and your needs and trust that you will find somebody who who aligns with that and it's not a reflection of anything of your your partner and i'm sure that they'll land you know where they need to be and find someone who's more aligned with what they need but if you right. both need different things then I think I think you need to go go elsewhere. Uh, that's a hard pill to swallow. I know. I feel like I'm <laughs> gonna cry. <laughs> right. Oh man, uh, it's sad. I'm gonna open up Apple Podcasts. <laughs> it's gonna be like one star. My fiance <laughs> broke off the engagement because of these. This twice married cunt
3: <laughs> thinks she should have all the marriages. Uh, you gotta move on you have to focus on yourself you will resent this person if you stay with them longer you need to release this person so that they can go and find something a situation that works better for them you say you're not codependent but also you did potentially get engaged to solve a problem which isn't maybe (laughs) codependency but is not the healthiest um right so before we continue to make more risky calls like that, yeah. we got to assess the situation and maybe call things off. It feels like this person knows what they need to do and needed to hear it from us. Yes. Maybe. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes.
2: Well, best of luck to you. And if you have any questions, uh, send. Them- <laughs> do you have a-, a wedding you need to call off? Email us dyking
3: out at <laughs> gmail. Do you need someone to gas you up and your titties and how they look in your wedding dress? DM Melody Kamali. And if you need someone just to
2: bring up squirting inappropriately, DM. (laughs) That's my thing. TGI Carolyn. You've taken and run with this week. I wasn't going to put you on blast in front of Amber Hikes. So to speak. So to speak. (laughs) Blast off. Uh, and you can follow us at diking out on social media. Melody has been doing a, a great job with the social media, but remember we also want an intern for that extra <laughs> do a support. better job. Yeah. Somebody to stop me from posting pictures of naked Rosie O'Donnell Barbie dolls. <laughs> Check Just, it out. Somebody take the keys. All right. We got to go. Thank you so much for dyking out with us this week. We'll see you next Tuesday.
1: Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine. erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague ridden world.